News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show, 704-570-1110. It's great to be here with you today. Always enjoy our time together. Coming up in the next hour, we will have Coach Matt Doherty join us uh, for hour two and hour three. I will then pick it back up into hour four and keep you up to date and informed. Uh, again, our telephone number 704-570-1110. And don't forget, follow me on Twitter. I will follow you back. I will not follow you home. I'm sorry. I get requested for that all the time, and I just it's not my thing. Um, I will follow you back, though, on the Twitter uh, or X, whichever one you choose. It's really quite okay. Um, the NTSB is, is tinkering. You guys probably know from listening to the program, I have a, I have a real problem with tinkerers. Uh, and I know there are people who are proudly tinkerers, people who like to tinker, people who do um, you know different things that make them feel better because they've been able to tweak this or tweak that or that sort of stuff. Um, the National Transportation Safety Board is making a plan to add speed limiters on all new cars. Speed limiters on all new cars. Now, I don't speed ever. I, I keep it right there at the double nickel since 1977. Um, but I imagine some of you, because I see you when I'm traveling on 77 and 85 and 485, and uh, of course the top secret 704 freeway, I, I, um, I see you speeding. I see you going very quickly. And that, there are people who can drive cars fast, fastly, and not really be dangerous. And then there are people who have no, they have no business owning a vehicle, for goodness sakes, let alone uh, driving quickly in that vehicle. But the National Transportation Safety Board is once again toying with speed limiter ideas after its investigation to a multi-vehicle collision that transpired last year in North Las Vegas, Nevada, which resulted in nine fatalities. The board recommends implementing intelligent speed assistance technology in all new cars. This comes after the board determined that the crash was caused by excessive speed, drug-impaired driving, and Nevada's failure to deter the driver despite being a repeat offender. So everybody else has to get punished because this scumbag was on drugs, speeding, and had done it multiple times. So we all have to pay the price, right? I get it. I understand that. That's typical. That's Bidenism right there. That's the Democratic Party at its absolute best. Uh, we have to punish everybody collectively except Claudine Gay. We have to elevate her. You know, she's making $900,000 as a professor after being fired from uh, or quitting her, her job as the president of Harvard. She's making $900,000. Who the heck signed that contract? Tepper? Did Tepper sign that contract? Why is she spending? Why is she getting 900K? We'll talk about that later. But what is intelligent speed assistance technology? Well, intelligent speed assistance technology utilizes a car's GPS location compared with a database of posted speed limits on its onboard cameras to ensure vehicles maintain safe and legal speeds. So if you want a safe and legal speed, that's what you want to do. Passive IC, ISA systems warn a driver when the vehicle exceeds the speed limit through visual, sound, or haptic alerts. I don't even know what haptic alerts is. It's probably something vibrating. 
It's probably some weird device that people use in the dark of night. But the driver is still responsible for slowing the car. On the other hand, active systems include mechanisms that make it more difficult but not impossible to increase the speed of the vehicle above the posted speed limit and those that electronically limit the speed the vehicle to entirely prevent drivers from exceeding the speed limit. Why, 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 why is Joe Biden president? Why, why, is, why is silly Pete Boot edge, edge, edge still the secretary of transportation? Why, why are these people bothering us in our lives? And I'm serious about this. I want you between now and, and, and the election day in November of 2024, I want you to confront as many people who are telling you that you have to suffer the slings and arrows because we have got too many morons in our country. We, we have a lot of illegal immigrants in the country, and we have homegrown morons in the country who just cannot drive in a reasonable fashion. Now, look, if I'm driving behind a, a genuine junk wagon that's going 37 miles an hour in the, in the middle lane instead of being on the right lane, I'm going to go around you, and I'm going to go around you as quickly as I can because I don't need any of that junk falling out of your junk wagon and it busting out my car. Okay? So... Here's how this is going to work. We have got to come up with a system, not for speed control, moron control. I want to set up a system wherein you can register as a moron or you can register as a responsible party. If you register as a moron, you can only take public transportation or stay in the right lane on the freeway. If you feel like you can handle driving a vehicle, if you feel like you can handle owning a firearm, if you feel like you can handle doing your own yard work, you know, repairs in your home, what have you, then that's going to be great. But I cannot go lowest common denominator. I will not go lowest common denominator. I'm telling you, folks, I spent time six, eight hours in the airport in Philadelphia. I got dumber and probably sicker than I ever thought I would. It's because there are people who just shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in the airport. They shouldn't be on the roadways. They should just be at home. They should be at home eating buckets of nacho cheese with their hands, watching Judge Judy. Now, look, I understand there are terrible realities in this world. There are drunk drivers and drugged drivers and all of that. If you're a drunk driver and you hurt somebody, we ought to just lock you up for life. If you're high as a kite and you cause an accident, you should be locked up for life. We have got to bring back punishments that are equal to the crime being committed. But I'm sorry. I don't trust Joe Biden. I don't trust Kamala Harris. I don't trust any of these people with being in control of my speed limiter, especially when members of their families actually use speed. Not Kamala Harris. 704-570-1110, Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. Stop it. Let regular people drive and the rest of you walk. This is a message brought to you by Brett. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the uh, Brett Witterbull Show. Now, listen, I'm not anti-safety, okay? I believe in safety. I'm a big believer in safety. I want everybody to be safe. But what I don't understand is we have a wide-open border. Murderers and terrorists are coming across this border. The, the CCP is coming across the border. We are fundamentally not safe. We're in a dangerous place. And the Biden administration wants to mess with the idea of doing something about uh, speed control on your, pl- on your car. I mean, to me... 
This is a terrible idea. To me, there are so many other challenges and problems that we have in our society. Um, rather than having some somebody be a gatekeeper, somebody do this stuff. And I'm telling you, this is my number one concern with uh, with um, with electric cars because the 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 further away you get from your ability to be free driving around doing what you want to do seeing the country etc cetera, etc cetera, the more dangerous it is for your civil liberties and this idea that well we're going to put a a a a governor on this it is it is terrible it is terrible all the way around and the reality is i believe in my default position is freedom and i'm willing to take the risks i am willing to take the risks look i make a decision each and every day about when I'm going to leave for work, when I'm going to go home from work. But I also make a decision that I'm not going to go out and drive around at 4.30 in the morning if I can, if I can help it. I'm, I'm sorry if somebody's got to work that as a job time. But I, I don't want to go driving around when the drunks are out. I don't want to go driving around late on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning and expose myself to you know what, what, what may become a, a challenge or a problem. But if I'm in a bad place, if I'm, if I'm in a, a neighborhood that suddenly got dangerous, if I'm, in, if I'm on a roadway and somebody is attempting to... Uh, come after me to chase me to do whatever i want the maximum speed possible in my car so that i can evade i want to be able to get away from the threat i don't want to be stuck with mr magoo power uh moving me around and let's be honest we have a lot of mr magoos in this administration a ton of them who who have secret service protection who have uh, drivers who have guards who have all of that, but normal people, regular people don't have that stuff. And by the way, I wish you well on trying to get those those um, uh, th- those new implements on older vehicles. This is why people should buy older cars. This is why people should not give in and do the electric car thing because the electric car thing is is this close to being able to take you directly to a jail because they think you were there on January sixth. I mean, there's a lot of downside to the electric car and to all that sort of stuff. I don't want to be tracked. I don't do anything illegal, but I don't want to be tracked. It's just my prerogative. Let's talk to Mark. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. Good. Um, so I'm a self-identified speeder. Okay, good. Good to know you. I'm uh, over 60. I've never had a wreck. I don't drive disrespectfully. I also use my turn signal. I don't drive drunk. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that they were going to use GPS because um, when, when my Garmin worked, this Garmin thing had a maximum speed and it would save it. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but I found it intriguing, and, and, I, and it egged me on um, when I got a chance, when nobody around, to try to set a new record. <laughs> and... Uh, 124. Whoa, not on a public roadway. Not on a public roadway. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No it's more. 2 o'clock in the morning. It's some little two-lane road that cuts between 77 and 26. And I said, come on, let's break the record. And let me tell you something about insurance. I don't know who gets that insurance where they monitor you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, my insurance, David Tepper couldn't afford it. <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you a question. How, how old a vehicle do you have? Right now I'm driving a, oh, I don't know, I should say, 
Uh, well, just what year? Have, uh, you don't have to tell me what it is. And, let's see, 2000. And, well, I've got several. But the one I normally drive is 2008. Okay, I like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's a 2008. See, you got, a, you got a chance there. You got a shot there. Yep. You know, um, and, and I didn't know a minivan could go that fast. But, uh, but it's not a minivan. It's a turbocharged. <laughs> no, don't say it. Don't say it. type car. They're going to be looking for you. All right. <laughs> but, but this whole idea of, of, of the government wants to put limiters. I mean, this. They want to do everything. They just want to. It's a nanny state. I don't know who coined that term, but that's what it's turning into. It is a nanny state. And that's a problem. All right, I appreciate it. I hate, look, yeah. I hate people that cut people off, these uh, rice burners that, you know, zip in and out of traffic on 485. Um, I, you know, despise them as much as anybody. But yeah. when I'm on my own, man. And, oh, by the way, I don't wear a seatbelt on purpose. Oh, my gosh, what are you doing? I need I you to remain in this audience. In my driving skills. I need you to remain in this audience. I can't have well, you thrown I'm clear. I'm the same guy that eats... Uh, <laughs> Uh, cookies and cream, ice cream, and uh, Skittles, and Milky Ways. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. And I'm still alive, man. I, I believe it. You're, you're going to be well-preserved with all that stuff you're eating. I mean, this um, good stuff. All right, Mark. Oh, yeah. I appreciate, appreciate you being out. I just... Now, listen. For my money, the people that drive faster than anybody else are the motorcycles. The motorcycles drive way faster than the cars. I mean, give me a break. And I see lane splitting and all kinds of stuff going on there. Uh, raining, not raining, forget it. Are they going to put the limiters on the speedy bikes? News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Woodable Show. Good to be with you. 704-570-1110. Uh, lots of things. That are that are happening here right now uh, in our country. So, Ali Mayorkas, Ali Mayorkas, right? He is the head of the Department of Homeland Security, and I think I've got uh, two clips from him that I that I sent uh, over the transom. Okay, so he was on MSNBC this morning, and um, this will be the one where he's blaming Greg Abbott for the immigration crisis. He says uh, we we've got a real problem with our immigration in this country, and it's all the fault of Governor Greg Abbott of the state of Texas. Go. Let me identify one fundamental problem here, and that is the fact that we have one governor in the state of Texas who is refusing to cooperate with other other governors and other local officials and coordinate efforts to address a challenge that our country which this country should stand united to address that our country is facing. And it's a remarkable failure of governance to refuse to cooperate with one's fellow local and state officials. So so should Mayorkas, uh, wait, is Mayorkas saying that Greg Abbott should keep all of the um, illegal economic migrants that are just coming across the border, that he's supposed to keep them all in the state of Texas? Is that what Alejandro Mayorkas is doing? Because it sounds like Alejandro Mayorkas is saying, 
Greg Abbott is not playing ball. He's sending these people to Chicago, an important city for us, New York, an important city for us. Um, He should not send those people to those communities. He should keep them in Texas, you know, kind of parenthetically, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is saying, where they belong. They belong in Texas. Uh, It should be Texas that's bearing the burden here. And we don't like the direction that this is all unfolding as. I mean, come on. What's wrong with you? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is full of it. The technical term for that is full of it. Full of bull. That's what he is. He is full of bull. And so here is the problem. He is going to tell you something in this next clip. I'm not even going to color your reaction to it. I want you to see if you can spot the lie from Alejandro Mayorkas talking uh, about the causes of the illegal migrants coming into the United States. Border Patrol in the month of December processed more migrants entering the United States illegally than any month in the history of that agency. Why is that happening? What, how do you explain it? So we are seeing the greatest number of displaced people, not only at our southern border, not only in the Western Hemisphere, but across the globe. You know, I am involved in bilateral and multilateral meetings with my counterparts from foreign countries in Europe, uh, in Asia, in the Indo-Pacific, all over the world. And migration, the challenge of displaced people, is a subject that comes up in every single conversation. We have the effects of climate change, poverty, increasing level of authoritarianism, the very many challenges that are at the root cause of the displacement of people around. Did did you hear what he said the reasons were for these people who are coming across a wide open border? Did, did, Did you guys hear what he said? He said he said it's climate change. That is making these people come here. It's authoritarianism that are making the people come here. And poverty. Now, I don't I don't know when the poverty started. Maybe some of you all have a thought about this. And and I, I really I've I've been man, I read a lot of articles and I was looking at a lot of books. Um I seem to think that there were poor people mentioned in the Bible, but I can't really place the, uh, the, the, you know, the passage. Um, so, so it was in 2020, I guess. It was in 2020 that poor people uh, b- began, right? Is that, is that what happened? Because um, Alejandro Mayorkas wants you to believe that it's climate change, authoritarianism, and it's poor people. Uh, poor, poor people... Poor people are are coming into the country, but just since 2020. Is is that are you buying? Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's climate change, authoritarianism and and the the poor people? You, you can't possibly believe that. Right. You're really smart. You listen to talk radio. You listen to WBT. You know what's going on. You're dialed in. You, you understand what's happening here. The poor have always been with us. The poor have always been with us. Now, what has changed? One thing changed. Joe Biden broke the border. He broke it open. He opened the border with Ron Klain and Alejandro Mayorkas. And for whatever social justice reason, 
They are not detaining people, adjudicating them, and then sending them back home. They're just letting everybody come in. And you understand why this administration is doing that, right? Because it's an insurance policy for when or if Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump become uh, the president of the United States again. And what they want to do is they want to swoop in and protect all of the 25 million by then. At that point, it'll be 25 million that have come across the border because 300,000 came across last month. Um, and and they, they don't want they do not want to see any of these people removed from the interior of the United States. Those are future voters for the Democratic Party. That's what it is. That's what it is. Look, I, I, the Republicans could pass out a piece of legislation out of the House of Representatives that says nobody who has emigrated into the United States in an unlawful fashion from uh, 20, 2018 uh, and, and to now is, is going to get citizenship by coming across the border. They just shut it down. The House could just shut it down that way. But that's not what's going to happen. These are future voters of the Democratic Party. And it's funny because the the current state of play for Joe Biden right now is um, African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans and immigrants who have emigrated to the United States do not support him anymore. They're angry at the open border policies. They're furious at seeing their cities like Chicago, like New York, like Baltimore, like Washington, like Los Angeles, like San Francisco, etc. They do not like seeing people sleeping on the streets knowing that nothing will be done. And all Joe Biden had to say yesterday as he landed from St. Croix. How was your St. Croix vacation, by the way, folks? Did you enjoy it down in the Virgin Islands? Uh, you probably had a really great time. Joe Biden had one heck of a time. He's already been out for 357 days uh, from, from, from doing the work that needs to be done. He goes on vacation, you know, every 15 minutes. And they asked him, what are you going to do about the border? And he said, Congress needs to give me the money to secure the border. That's not that's not going to happen. You broke the border. The, like the third thing you did when you got immaculated was you broke the border. You, 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 you messed with the Keystone XL pipeline. You, you canceled uh, energy projects. And then you broke the border with Ron Klain. He wrote the memo. I want you guys to reach out. I want you to reach out to Dan Bishop. He's on the Homeland Security Committee, and they are impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas. You have got to get Dan Bishop to subpoena Ron Klain because Ron Klain wrote the memo to break the border. And we need to find out about that. And we need to find out whether or not Joe and Hunter are making money off the broken border. We have got to find this out. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Waterbull Show. The border should not be a difficult thing to secure. I mean, it just it really should not be a difficult uh, thing. But it is. It is, and there's a reason why this is. The reason why this is difficult is because you have people who have a vested interest in transforming the United States of America.
and it, it has nothing to do with like the the backgrounds of the people who are coming in. It has to do with the process of becoming an American, the process of actually showing up, filling out the paperwork, doing the things that you need to do that people have done through history. Because you want to come here does not mean that you get to come here. There's a lot of places I would like to go that I can't go. There's a ton of places, right? I mean, I, I, I would like to go and, and sit on a beach uh, at the exact house that Joe Biden sat at uh, in St. Croix for, for 10, 12 days. Now, if you go show up at that house, they're going to have you arrested. Why? Well, because it's not your house and you haven't been invited. Doesn't the same policy apply to people who decide that they just want to come to the United States and, and, and just set up shop? There's a process. I mean, there, really, there, there is a process. It's not respected. It's not used. But there is a process. Gail, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Gail? Oh, well, I think for many years the Democrats used African-Americans to get their vote by making promises that the Democrats never, ever kept. That's why they're not going to vote for him. And now it's all about the people coming across the border illegally Mm -hmm. and expecting to have free medical, free homes, free uh, food, free everything. And uh, their promises are null and void because they know they're not going to keep these promises to these folks and uh, because they never kept them to the african-americans and they were americans they were not foreigners no no of course and and, and look uh, gavin newsom is doing the same thing he's offering absolute free medical care to any of the migrants that have come into california now that's going to cost the people of california something approaching three to six billion dollars a year who's paying for that who's paying for that um you know that that that's the issue we we can have an open border okay or we can have socialism you cannot have both the country will collapse it it, it is a it is a, a true and accurate contention you can have a wide open border and everybody can just pour in but you can't have socialism with that you can't have free stuff for everybody with that And I wonder about this, right? Because you think about the places where these mayors are stuffing these individuals. Uh, The the mayor of of Denver, for example, was complaining this morning about how all of the hotels in Denver are full, but they're not full of tourists or business uh, people. They're, They're filled up with people who are in the country in an unauthorized fashion and the people of denver are having to pay for these people to live in hotels well what happens when there's a convention that wants to come to town what happens when there's some industry convention Uh, uh, what happens if there's a super bowl what happens if there's a uh, a game a big game what happens if there's a big event what happens with weed stock? I mean, how, how do you how do you get get room for these people to be able to stay in hotels? I would assume the hotel proprietors are going, well, this is not really working out for us, actually. You buy a ticket to a concert. 
You spend a lot of money. You and your your loved ones are going to go to the concert, and you dropped, you know, three, four, five hundred bucks for the tickets. You show up at Bank of America, or you show up at any of the arenas, and you go in there, and they take your ticket, and you go to sit down, and you find people are sitting in your seats. And when you complain, you're told, well, it's not fair to move them because they need a place to sit and they're getting your seats for free. You're not being compensated. Would you put up with that? If you have reservations at a restaurant and you show up with your party and you're going to go in there and eat and somebody is taking your reservation and and just sat there. Are you putting up with that? Are you saying something? You get on an airplane, you go to sit in your seat, and they tell you you can't have that seat because it's social justice seating from now on, and these are people who have come far away to fly to Maui? What are you doing about it? Citizenship is the same thing. I mean, citizenship should be more important, but it's the same operative theory. Why are we doing this? Why are we putting up with this? How did this happen? I talked to people on the West Coast. I talked to people in San Diego, California. Do you know people are waking up and these folks are sleeping in their backyards? Not only are they sleeping in their backyards, they are cutting down the trees in their backyards and cooking and, 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 and doing things in their backyards and they were not invited what do you do when you wake up tomorrow in Rock Hill or Newport or Terza or, or, or Lake Wiley or Fort Mill? What are you doing when you wake up and someone's in your backyard cutting down your tree to make a, a cooking setup? And they're going to live in your yard and the cops will not move them. What do you do? Tell me how you fix that. 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110 wbt My recital, I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right, on top. It's tricky. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right, on time. It's tricky. It's tricky, tricky, tricky. News Talk 1110 WBT. I got the uh, coach Matt Doherty back in better than ever. It feels like I haven't seen you, coach, in like, I don't know, like a month. Uh, it's it's close to it. I mean, I just gave you your holiday gift because uh, you were in Italy, uh, and then uh, mm-hmm. you were you know no show uh, last week. <laughs> no show last week. And then yeah, so it's been a it's been a minute. It has been a minute, and um, I, I trust. Did you have a Did you have a, a, a nice Christmas? It was It was good. It was the reason for the season. It, it was good. I, I just um, you know just. I think we're, we're talking, I mentioned off air, like there's some unnecessary stressors at times, right? Yeah. And so um, how do you eliminate the stressors? So a friend of mine um, went on a cruise and he's like, you know, I didn't have to think. 
You know, like the decision was, do we eat at the 6 o'clock serving or the 7.30 serving? You know, and I'm thinking, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you just have stuff to do. You know, parties to go to, events to go to, traffic, you know, gifts, returning gifts, uh, food. Um, You know, my wife probably, uh, you know, spent too much time cooking things. I'd like to get that, take that off her plate, no pun intended, and uh, just make it a little more relaxing. Um, but overall, heck, I mean, you had a week off that was just kind of like mm-hmm. every day was Saturday. Yeah, that's right. That's really true. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, that, 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 that's what's, what's phenomenal about it. And the opportunity to, I mean, it's, it was, it was funny because when you have the holiday, when you have Christmas on, what was it fr- Sunday? Sunday. Sunday, and then you got uh, uh, Monday. Yeah. You're off, or was it? Yeah, it was Sunday, and then Monday. Yeah, and then New Year's is Monday. Right, and then you get the other, the extra day. It, I'm, I'm really good. Once, once New Year's hits, like I'm ready to get back to business. Yeah, I'm like, it's New Year's. Boom. I need to get back in the routine. I want to get back in the routine. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, now, here's the question for you. Yeah. Did you do you do you did you make resolutions? Do you have goals? Yeah. Like what are you what are you what I, are you doing? I, I, I'm not a like resolution guy, but I'm a goal guy, and I didn't achieve my goals last year. Um, and and so I have three goals, um, and kind of one one motto. So the goals are I want to fill up my Vistage coaching groups. I have three groups. That's um, awesome. And capacity is basically 20. So I want to get each group to 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to uh, have business, personal, health. Uh, personal, I want to invest more in my relationships, both at home and with friends. Because, you know, like, <laughs> you know, people die. Yep. Like, people are dying. Yep. And you're like... The, the, I'm talking people in their 50s and 60s, and and so you're like, golly, like what what does this all mean? Mm-hmm. And so being more intentional, mm-hmm. um, and then thirdly, I want to I, I I put on about eight or nine pounds over the holidays. So I want to try to get and stay at uh, 250 or below. So uh, I got I went from a I want to go from a power forward mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to a uh, <laughs> tight end um <laughs> yeah and 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 my word is focus um and but i think that was my word last year mm-hmm. and i didn't do a good job what i mean by that like okay i've i've you know my businesses are basically executive coaching keynote talks that's kind of that's at the forefront but I, I jokingly, and I talk about this to my clients. Sometimes you're you'd be a bad fish, right? Because the the shiny lure goes by, and you hit it, and then you end up in the boat. And I probably ended up in the boat too many times. Wow! Last year, I don't want to end up in the boat this year. So I've got to avoid the shiny objects. So let me ask you a question: what What time of day do you start your day? Uh. I really start my day the night before, quite frankly. That's interesting. You know, and so I'm one that stays up kind of late. Like, I'll probably go to bed between 10 and midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like to wake up to stuff. So okay. I want to get it done the night before. I get that. And so that way I can start fresh. Mm-hmm. So I'll get up, you know, unless I'm getting a 
plane or something like that, but I'll generally get up uh, between seven and eight o'clock. Oh, that's good. So try to get myself seven, eight hours sleep. That's really good. That's really see you know. So when we went to Italy, and then we I came back, I had some obligations. I was I was doing Christmas week, um, and so Sherry and I ended up sur- just surfing the Rome time back here. So like I was getting up, I was getting up like three thirty, four o'clock oh, in the wow. morning. Yeah, and but like by eight o'clock, it was like lights out, yeah. right? But it worked out for me until until I had to like then just flip that script one night, and then I was like, oh, this is painful. It was it was like kind of tough. But um, did, you, did you rely on the old fashioned, the old fashioned way? What's the old fashioned way? Drugs. No, I don't. No, no. I, I, I mean, not I, heavy narcotics, Brett. No. I know you've given that up for, for oh, get out of the here. new year. Uh, I'm still plenty with it. No, uh, it's a no, no, no. It's um, I, I, I have I have an odd metabolism. So if if you give me like sleeping pills, I'm bouncing off the wall. I have I have the metabolism of like a nine year old. Uh-huh. And so I'm 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 a very uh, like I'm I'll just jump up out of the bed and I'll just start like doing push-ups. Okay. And so I I can't I can't do any like any drug stuff. I, I cannot do it because it any has more. the opposite any, effect. Any any more you meant to say or any less. Uh, but <laughs> but the but the, but the thing is it's like I, I, it has an opposite effect on me. I love getting up early. Like it does not. Do you really? Uh, I don't like getting up. Four a.m. I like it because nobody really? can, nobody can call you. Nobody can call you. Nobody can bother you. Yeah, but nobody can call you if you're sleeping too, right? People will call you. I mean, I get calls, West Coast calls and stuff, like you know, late in the afternoon and the night. I mean, it's like, I I like I like that quiet time. Me and my cat, we're hanging out. I'm talking to him. We're watching the. You talk to the cat all all day. What's his name? Her name? Well, I got we got five of them. But you said you you talk to my cat, so you only talk to one. Smokey's one of them. Smokey, Sinatra, Lucy. Uh, cupcake and bandit and but you only talked to one of them i, t- I really talked to Smokey and 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 cupcake mostly really yeah cupcake's a, a cu- cupcake is an interesting character she's a tortoise shell she's attached to me only she hates everybody else and so we have a lot of conversations in the what, of what kind of conversations do you have i do all the talking and she listens so really, really it's great wow interesting what kind of conversations well, I'll sit there and I'll be like, uh, okay, so I'll be watching this. I'll be like, you see what Biden's doing here? Yeah. And she'll just watch me. And I'm like, look, this guy, he's, he's, he's spending all of our money. We got inflation. We got all these problems. And it's nice because I don't have to have a debate. Does she nod her head? Do you, ever, do you ever think that they wink at you? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, uh, pe- my dogs wink at me. Pets, pets, they wink. Are, pets are, they, they are the thing that show you the loyalty that you wish you could get from a human being. That's right. In many times. That's right. They're innocent. They're they're pure innocent yeah, creatures. Yeah, we've got two white Westies, and um, I don't know if that's redundant. Are all Westies white? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not trying to exclude any any other Westies. Um, I think the East, did I politically? I think, the, I think the Easties are. Did I did I did I politically? Am I politically correct in saying white Westies? Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so. Simon and Mackie. Not great names. Yeah. Uh, we, we rescued them. And awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, they are like identical to the Westies we had before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I tell you what, Simon is just a, <laughs> a hound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude, like, 
is just locked in when you're eating or making your way to the refrigerator. That's awesome. Just staring right at you That's and amazing. looking and just waiting for you to drop something. Mm-hmm. And um, He's on. And then you give him a nibble of something. Like today I had carrots and I gave him some carrots at lunch and like he'd eat it up and then he'd be staring at you like for more. Like you yeah. thought like I just gave you a treat. Like mm-hmm. no, that you're done. You improved his vision. That's what he wants. Right. Exactly. It's carrots. But I think he winks at me sometimes. I believe it. Uh, they, they, there's a connection. God gave us pets because, it, 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 in my opinion, and as much as people may not like a pet or whatever, but it's to show you unconditional love. Yeah. All love can actually feel like. Because you can do nothing for them but to feed them and love them and take care of them and all that sort of stuff. And that I've always felt like that's the connectivity there. Yeah, no, it's they're just it's special. I they mean, never it's, borrow money. They 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 do pass gas on the couch though. Stop feeding them carrots, man. They they pass wicked gas. Wicked gas. Yeah, yeah, he's from Boston. W- wicked wicked gas. And uh, Mackie in particular, sometimes mm-hmm. he'll let one rip oh. and it'll surprise him or really? scare him. And he'll go to the other side of the couch. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he'll, he'll, what do they call it? Crop you, you're dust. Your crop dust? Hold on. Are you sure that that's Mackie doing that, Coach? Are you? I, I, plenty of that's times I pointed at the cat that's, and I said, hey, get out of here. It's disgusting. Get 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 off. You know. Well, uh, you know. It happens. I mean. It could happen. It just. You get older. It could fall out. It falls. DJ, TJ. How do you deal with the brakes, Coach? When you when you when, when there's when it breaks your way or breaks away from you, uh, how do you how do you deal with the brakes? Oh man, you gotta just uh, you gotta enjoy the brake, but realize it's fragile. Mm. You know, like I, I, you, when you said that, it made me think of a story when I I was coaching at SMU. Um, I think it was my first year, and we were playing in a tournament at Florida State, and we were playing Illinois State in the first game. And um, we won on a tip-in at the buzzer. And as we were going out to the loading dock, there were two buses, the winning bus and the losing bus. Wow. And I said to my assistant, um, Lance Irvin, I said, you know, there's a fine line between getting on the winning bus and the losing bus. Mm-hmm. And it's brakes. You know, it's just breaks, and you got to create your breaks. Um, some people don't believe in luck. I do believe in luck, mm-hmm. um, but I think you, you know, the harder you work, the smarter you work, the luck you get, right? And you want to put yourself in position to be lucky. Um, and and then when the breaks don't go your way, I think you have to understand that it's a fine line. And I remember learning this in, in golf when I was at Kansas. I was talking to one of the golf um, um, play the golfers at, at Kansas, and we we're talking about, you know, like such a fine line between hitting a good shot and hitting a bad shot. Right. Making a putt, not making a putt. And when you think of a putt rolling smoothly, you go slow motion and, and close up, and you see the ball bouncing around the green. And you realize, like, okay, I could be the best putter in the world and still miss a putt because maybe it rolled 
through a ball mark or maybe the wind or, you know, so there's just a fine line and to be able to stay in the middle emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally takes some discipline and mental toughness. And that's how I think people get through adversity. Were you superstitious about wins or losses or things like that's that? That's funny. Um, I, I tried to be so unsuperstitious that I was superstitious. Okay, I get you. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, like in, in in high school, this locker there was the biggest locker in the varsity locker room, the nicest locker. Everyone who took got that locker got hurt or whatever. But I wanted that locker. Now I I, I got the chicken pox. I missed three games. So does that qualify? I wow. don't know. Um, then I got into coaching, and uh, I. <laughs> I was at North Carolina, and we were on a winning streak. We won 18 games in a row. It was like one of the second longest winning streaks in Carolina history. And uh, so I started entering the garage, the kitchen, through the garage, and we had an island in the middle of the kitchen. And if I if I went through and made a left to the sink, I could. The shortest route would have been through continue to go through the kitchen and around the island, but I had to undo my route mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like a string. Like yes. I, and I didn't want – so I had to undo it. So now I – and then there was a certain tie that I wanted to wear, you know, and so you get a little crazy. Yes, you do. You get a little nuts when you go on an 18-game winning streak as the head coach <laughs> at North Carolina. <laughs> and one of the best things about losing – Yep. I could go wherever I want in the kitchen. <laughs> now you can do, yeah, right. You can go in however you want and change, and change your socks or whatever it is, right? What, um, did you have any players or did you play with anybody that was like freaky suspicious? Like where you would be like, whoa, that's. Um, no, uh, but Coach Williams was pretty um, superstitious mm-hmm. as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he would run the days of the game and at Kansas he would make sure that he would run to Naismith's grave and and uh Fog Allen's grave. Wow. Yeah. And like, you know, get a good le- luck from them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. See, that, yeah, yeah. That, hey, look, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. That's right? Right. I mean, <laughs> if it works. Yeah. Well, I think it helps to to have good players. It sure does. <laughs> yes, it and does. And a great home court advantage. Yes, it does. But you get nuts. Yeah. You get nuts. I remember my first game at Notre Dame, we're, we're uh, second game. I lost, I didn't pack a tie. And Fred Quarterbaum, who's now an assistant in Kansas, gave me this sweet um, gold tie. And I wore it and we won. And he wasn't getting it back. <laughs> that's awesome. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, he wasn't getting that back. I still have it. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, Coach Matt Doherty, I got a question for you um, because I've been curious to know what you think about this. The owner of the Panthers yes, and the tossing of his cup. Yes. What, what What's going on here with that? How, how does this play out? Uh, will there be sanctions? Uh, are owners, you know, uh, a cut above the rest? I mean, how, how does this all play out in, yeah. in your mind? Great question. Um we um, uh, talked about this with Kyle Bailey and WFNZ. He was fined $300,000, and I think that's it, uh, which is like uh, tip money for <laughs> a guy like that, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the owners run the league, right? The owners hire 
the commissioner, Roger Goodell, and Goodell then has to implement any penalty fines against the owners. So Mm -hmm. the owners don't want to hurt each other because it could easily be them. Right. And unless it's egregious, which is kind of what Dan Snyder did when he was uh, acting the fool and, and taking money from the league. And so they went after him pretty good. Um, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look. Like, you have to be above the fray. And I think that we all get emotionally hijacked. Mm-hmm. Um we talk about this in our my executive coaching practice at Vistage. You know, the information comes in, and there's the fight-or-flight response. Mm-hmm. And you want to go to the top of the brain and process things like that. Um, you know, I haven't been good at that in my lifetime. Uh, sometimes my emotions get the best of me. But if you're a 66-year-old billionaire who owns an NFL team, you can't put yourselves in those positions because um, you know, now you're just – you know, now you're the model. You're modeling the behavior in your organization. And, you know, then the apology was kind of, um, you know, half-baked. You know, it's like, oh, I'm just a very, I care, I care too much. When you're trying to justify your behavior, yeah. um, that's one of the don'ts. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith, who's a great um, executive coach, talks about uh, the stop list. And one of the things a leader should stop doing is justifying his behavior because that's just the way I am, right? Don't justify bad behavior right. by saying, oh, I just, I'm intense, or I care a lot, or I'm passionate. No, You're, you've got to be better than that. So it was a really awful look for Tepper and the city of Charlotte. Do you think there's room in the world of pro sports generally, but like let's say in the NFL, you have some owners that are really good owners, like in terms of uh, their seriousness, right? Uh, the owners of the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Giants. The Giants. Yeah. Uh, the Maras. Right. Uh, even Woody Johnson uh, with the Jets. Uh, 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 I, I mean, I know uh, he's got, uh, okay, but but he's not, you're not seeing him getting right. wrapped up in, it's he's stuff, not throwing nonsense. drinks at people. He's not right. standing on the sideline. Right. Getting, so, yeah. so do you think like as a condition of buying an NFL franchise that, you should be required to sort of be sh- not shadowed, but you should kind of learn the ropes before you get the keys to the Ferrari. Well, listen, you you could make a case that David Tepper did learn the ropes because he was a minority owner of the, of the uh, Steelers. Mm-hmm. You know, the Rooney family are the model models of <laughs> running an organization um, uh, in the NFL, and so you're not going to tell. Yeah. Like married, when Jerry Jones bought the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. imagine saying, Jerry, okay, we've got to put you through sensitivity training, or we've got to put you through media training, or we've got to put you through mm-hmm. some kind of training. These guys are the wealthiest people in the world, and they probably, most of them have egos as big, and so they don't want to be told anything. Mm-hmm. Um, See, like, the, the guy I like in terms of his style is like Stan Kroenke because he doesn't exist. He, he's You don't see him a lot. You don't see him a lot yeah. at all. Yeah. He's owned St. Louis, uh-huh. the Co- Carol, uh, Colorado Avalanche, and the Denver Nuggets, and, um, and LA. maybe the Rockies. And L.A. He owns Kroenke Land. Um, 
when you say L.A., you mean the Rams? The Rams, and then he yeah. lost sublets to the Chargers. Gotcha. But yeah, but he he owned them when they were in St. Louis. Right, right, right. Yes, right. yes. Kroenke's son played basketball at Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stan, uh, what's his name? Josh, I think, is now running the Enterprise. Um, you know, there's some really good owners. And then there's the ones that, you know, they they can't get out of their own way. Right. You know, whether it be Jerry Jones or, or Dolan with the Knicks mm-hmm. um, and now Dave Tepper. Um, that's not the way you want to handle your business. But <sighs> you, you sent me something today. Um, that was really good. Um, and it was all those quotes about humility uh, and basically quoting saints and yeah. Bible. And, Keep, keeping the devil from you. And, and and so a lot of these people haven't been humbled. They don't know humility. Um, and, and I think that's really a gift when you get humbled and you can become, you know, have humility. Um when when someone once said when people of wealth and fame act ordinary they become extraordinary okay uh it's hard for people to do that i get it and and a lot of times it's the people around them that change right. and then they change as a result but um you know when you see athletes who just uh, or or celebrities or business people that act somewhat normal and and listen and you know daniel jones Mm -hmm. daniel jones great example i know his dad stephen jones we go up uh last year this the beginning of this season but the season before for a game and he's my son's age and you know my son played was a good athlete lake norman high school played lacrosse was an all-american lacrosse player so after the game we get to visit with Daniel Jones. And my son is off talking to Daniel Jones. And my son's like blown away that Daniel asked my son about like playing lacrosse at Lake Norman. And they had some mutual friends and acquaintances. And it wasn't all about Daniel Jones. Like that, that is special. Mm-hmm. That, that is. And it's that relatability and understanding you know where 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 you come from, right? I mean, it's being grounded, being grounded, and and understanding that your identity. You know, and this is hard for athletes. And it's hard for businessmen and women. Your identity is wrapped up in who you are. Sure, right. Well, I, I mean, just think. You know, you've had a microphone in in front of you for a long time. Like, if you didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, your identity would be. Can you can you identify as a father? And be happy with that. Can you identify as a Christian and be happy with that? Can you identify, you know, take away that? And I've had to deal with that with coaching, and it's it's hard. It's not easy. Um, and so uh, that that humility, uh, and sometimes you know, I think those things are intentional. Like, okay, you know, God, I I took it over, I took it on the chin, and uh, but. And we were, I listened to Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel, and last weekend he had a great he has great sermons every Sunday. He's out of Leesburg, Virginia, and uh, he talked about like life's not meant to be like you know we think we all supposed to be happy, right? Like life's hard. This is a temporary station, right? I mean, and and, and so if you believe in heaven and the afterlife, right? right 
you know you go into a better place. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it should make all this worth it. But, you know, people say, I want to be happy. Well, what is happy? Right. Like, oh, you, you, you're going to run up your credit card bill. Or you're going to, you know, cheat on your spouse. Or you're going to buy a fancy car. Or, you know, it's generally material things. Yes. And, um, but that, you know, I mean. I'm it's fleeting. Saying, yeah. It's all fleeting. Yeah. So right. it's like, who are you really? That's a great point. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Brett Whittable, the coach, Matt Doherty. Let's take some calls here, coach. What do yeah, you let's do it. Let's jump out and talk to Tony first up. Tony, welcome to the program. What's up, big guy? How you doing? <clears throat> Pretty good. I don't know if you remember me. I'm the guy who went to Argentina. Yes, sir. I talked to you about President Millet, mm. Argentinian president. We spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Yes, sir. Um, the reason that I call you is because I was there about two, three weeks ago. And we talk about happiness, right? What happiness is? Yes. Happiness, I don't think you can be happy, but you can be content. So check me out, okay? And I'll be quick, I promise. Somebody in Argentina made 12 bucks a day working in construction, $12 a day. That's about 60 bucks a week. And you do the number, about 250 a month. Mm-hmm. They go out to eat dinner. They go out to eat lunch. They're content. They're not happy about the economy, but they're content. Mm-hmm. We live in America, so blessed. Up in my refrigerator, I got food to the, you know, you, you, we throw food away, brother. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that my dream wasn't me going back to my country. It was to let me know that God really blessed me in America. And we spoil, man. We, we don't appreciate what we have. These people make any money. They don't make almost nothing. Right. And they take the time to walk, to eat. That's the difference. That to me is happiness or content. Um, we in America, man, we, we, we don't get it. We don't get it. So I just want to share that with you. That my tree was eye open. Uh, we blessed. That's we awesome. Blessed. Regardless of what's going on in the economy with the country, uh, a lot of things we don't agree with them. But this is a beautiful country, man. It is. I love that. I love that coming from someone you know uh, that shows an appreciation because we the, the the root of discontentment. I think is the comparison games. You know Correct. that that that. that Oh, you're still on. Yeah. Yeah. So Coach, you know. one more thing before I go. Yeah, Tony. No, the no. Bible go ahead. Said, the Bible says, what a man get if he win the whole world and, lo- and, and lose his soul. That's the rich guy with Jesus did everything right. And Jesus said, hey, dude, you got to give your money to the poor. What did the rich guy walk away? Because money helped you to be and get materialistic thing. But they don't, it doesn't fill your heart, man. Yeah. Hey, God, love you. Show God. Love you both. Thank God bless you. you. Continue what you do, man. Peace. Thanks, Thanks, Tony. That's cool. What a great call. Perspective. Yeah, what a great call. Huge. Love it. Love it. Huge. Uh, Thanks for calling out there, uh, Tony. And you call back anytime. Jeff is up next. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Brent. Hey, hey. Hey, I listen to y'all leaving Rock Hill for work, going to Lancaster, South Carolina. Not awesome. Awesome. uh, But what I want to say about Terry, you talking about? It seems to me that one of them fans, and they were probably from Tampa Bay, but. I don't know, but anyhow, they was probably saying something bad about the Panthers, and and Tampa, to me, I think he became a sore loser, you know? Mm-hmm. And he should have never done what he'd done, because it really put, lowers his level, you know, mm-hmm. of what he represents. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I called, I was listening to yesterday, you were talking about a guy riding a bison. Yeah, he tried to ride a bison. Yeah. 
So I think you know, as well as I know, we know somebody that can ride a buffalo. Who's that? Can you guess who that might be? Who can ride a buffalo? I'd who? Help me out. I, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a hint. How about the great white buffalo? Ted Ted Nugent? Ted Nugent. Ted, the the Motor City Madman. Buffalo on stage. That's right. The Did Motor he, City Madman. That's right. He had the Indian feathers on, and he rode the buffalo on stage. Ah, that's right. Hey, I, you know, I have a connection to him because, and but, TJ will know what this is, I was the guy who interviewed him when he shot all the hogs in Texas to feed the home to feed the homeless and the poor, and people blew him up for 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 slaughtering all the hogs in a helicopter. Wow! And Keith Larson wow. was talking about it right back in the day, and that was me, oh. in little little teeny tiny Simi Valley, California, talking to. Wow, Tom. man, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but uh. I- I know y'all fixed to go. It's about five o'clock, but uh, I just want to uh, just tell you about that. That's awesome, Jeff. Hey, I appreciate y'all. You're 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 one of my favorite callers, man. You call anytime, all right, Jeff? All right, thank you, buddy. All right, buddy. Love it. The, oh, the great white. Oh, uh, you know what's cool? Like we had Tony with his accent. We yes, had sir. Jeff with his accent. That's right. You know, like the people that y- you attract on this show is pretty cool. It's 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 the greatest blessing of the whole show. Like if if I could, I would just do calls for four hours because yeah. I think it's the the people are super smart. And what I love about this audience, and I know you do too, they get the subtext jokes that oh, yeah. we're dropping oh, yeah. out there. <laughs> Did anything slip out that segment? Uh, I don't think anything fell out. Okay, good deal. News Talk eleven ten. Hey, you know who's coming by? He ain't falling out. Bo Thompson. Bo's coming by? Bo Thompson's coming like by. Like in the studio? He's going to come by uh, on the phone. On the phone. Oh. News Talk 1110 WBT. Hello, the request line. Hi, my name is Joanne. I'm from Sound, and I'd like to talk to one of the Dynamic Three. Here's Charlie Prince. Hey, Charlie Prince, on your request line, I would like to know your name and your zodiac sign. Say what? News Talk 1110-993 WBT, Brett Witterbull and the coach Matt Doherty, and we're back and better than ever before. Bo Thompson joins us. Hello, Bo Thompson. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year to you. Hey, Bo. Hey, coach. Bo, Mike Schaefer has an envelope for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I didn't get to see you, and uh, you know, you're in the morning. I'm in the afternoon, so I trust I trust Schaefer with it. Now it's public record. It's on the record. <laughs> it's on the record. You have you have audio receipts now. That's right. No, it's always good to talk to you guys. And uh, you know, I was thinking while I was I was uh, waiting to come on. You know what's the what's the statute of limitations on on saying Happy New Year? You know, is it you, you keep uh, a mental? It's a month. I think I keep a mental idea of the first conversation that I have with each person, but then oh, like tomorrow good. when I talk to Winter Bowl or Friday, it's not mm-hmm. going to be Happy New Year. That's good. You know right. what? That's a really good way to do it. I, I think that's that's a win right there. But well, what if you don't say hello to somebody till February first? <laughs> See, that's exactly what. 
Happy Valentine's Day. was going to be is, you know, you got to you got to keep you got to make sure you keep uh, keep record because if, you know, if, if I right. if I didn't talk to the coach until till June, you know, it would be the first Whoa. Yeah, I, I, is there a riff? Is there I last I told you I got the envelope for you. Okay? <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm saying hypothetically, of course, if if I didn't talk to you this way, I'd just call you uh, personally just to chat. I mean, that's that's how we Or are. ask where the envelope is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a question for both you guys, because uh, we haven't talked about this, and I'm, I'm curious, um, in the world of sports, for a quick moment here, um, wh- what did you make of the the uh, college football uh, matchup that is going to result with uh, Michigan facing Washington? I mean, huh? Why do you say that like that? That's so disrespectful. I mean, Michigan's you, a good program. You, you, I mean, you're, I, you're, you're, that right I just think the... that that's uh, you know just you're prejudging. It's prejudice comment you just made. You're prejudging the Washington Huskies yeah. and maybe the best quarterback in all of football in Penix. I, I I just don't appreciate that. You know because because I rooted for I, I rooted for Texas. Uh, you know, I mean, I think you're just a front runner. That's no, that's what for, I'm gaining. That's what I'm get, gathering Sark. here. Okay. So right. you, you, you 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 they're undefeated. Yeah. And they may have the most exciting player in college football in Penix. Uh, great story. Coach was coached like uh, uh, non D one for forever. Um, took over at Washington and brought uh, Penix from Indiana with him. Penix has had several season ending injuries and now. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate, and I don't understand why you hate hate the Huskies like that. I don't hate the Huskies. I think it's so East Coast bias. It, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, okay, for sure. For sure. Bo, sorry, Bo, Bo Thompson, go ahead, please. Well, you know, I think we were talking the three of us back around NCAA tournament time last year, and I was lamenting the fact that some of these these games in the first round started at almost ten o'clock, and I was yes. asking the coach. Yes. about playing at like nine fifty and ten o'clock. I think now. Congratulations to Washington on advancing to the title game. But I could not help on Saturday night, or, or I'm sorry, uh, on um, on New Year's Day, Monday night. Mm-hmm. I, I could not help feeling sorry for Washington and Texas at basically being almost lost in all the hoopla. The first game was at five o'clock. You know, a lot of people had to work the next day, so That's they right. saw the first game. But starting the second game. At, at almost 9 o'clock, That's to right. me, uh, it wasn't fair to the other two teams. It seemed like they were sort of, uh, you know, off the front page, and they all four deserved to be there. No? I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think I think you could go – I mean, it, TV dries everything, right? So they figure yeah. that's when they can get the most bang for the buck, and people stay up and watch. Um, and then you have people like the three of us who are toes up by uh, – uh-huh. Uh, by uh, you know halftime, I I, I was pretty much yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you about that. That's true. Yeah. But why not start the first game, the Rose Bowl game, at two, and then have the second game start at you know six, and then uh, I mean everybody's taking most people are off the That's New true. Year's Day. Let's right. make it a football day. Well, because everybody had to watch stupid Oregon versus Liberty, which was <laughs> a, a, the wastiest waste of time ever. Wastiest. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh you also had to watch Tennessee beat. Uh, Iowa. I, I I have not watched any other bowl game except the New Year's Day games. Who cares? Those two games were, Who were freaking also, cares. Those two games were, were about those meaningless bowl games. Kirby. But next smart. year. But next, next year, year it's all. Next year? Yeah, it's all big time now. No, they're still going to have those other 
rinky-dink bowl games. Yeah, but they're going to be some of those games that you didn't care about this year will be part of the playoff next year. Some. This is going to be 12 playoff teams. Notre Dame won at the Sun Bowl. I I hear you. But they're still going to be the Toilet Bowl and the Burrito Bowl (laughs) and the Sun Bowl and in Brett Winnable's old hometown of El Paso. That's correct. (laughs) But but they, they won, though. Notre Dame won. Yeah, so but my about, those bowl how games. The, uh, how about the the Brett Winter Bowl? Oh, oh. Wow. you know what? That would be good. It would be yeah. a bottomless chips. Yeah, bottomless <laughs> chips. <laughs> or a bowl Thompson. Oh, oh. why? Why don't they have a Davidson Bowl here? Matt Bolherdy. <laughs> wow, wow. We need to go. We might need to go to break. Whoa! Did, did Bo I, kill the show? Did I, did I just kill the show? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. We're, we're, we got a booth review. Hold on, TJ's got his head. He's got his head in the uh, in the in the in the. Yeah, uh, yeah there we go. Um, all right. So, well, we we just we figured out the whole bowl situation now. Now, here's the question I have uh, for for both of you, as they would say in the old days. Yeah, for both of you. Um, are you paying attention? Now, I, I laid my marker down earlier today in sort of a cranky way. I, I don't care about the way the voting is going to go in the primary stuff because I think the cake is baked. What say you, Matt Doherty? You're talking about now. We're talking politics. Politics. Yeah. Um, you think it's it's pre pre judged? Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I I, I don't have a feel for that. I know who I like. Mm-hmm. Who I would vote for? Mm-hmm. Um, who that? Who that? She'd be from South Carolina. Nikki Haley. Yeah, well, that's that's a very. Popular I think she choice. she's she's uh, smart. She's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she can bring people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's a unifier without being soft. Um, probably the most unifying person we have, um, and um, she's got experience. Bo Thompson, do you do you think the cake is baked uh, for for the matchup uh, that'll come in November? I, I I've learned with Donald J. Trump to never assume anything, <laughs> right? And with all the all the stuff that's in that's going to be throughout the process this year, really on both sides, not mm-hmm. just with Trump, but I mean, I think Biden is as unpredictable too because of his health and just because sure. you've got two, two candidates that on paper are the, are, are the candidates right now. And there are all kinds of reasons to say, who the heck knows? Right. So I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm as intrigued by just all of the stuff that's surrounding all of this in 2024. I love election years and presidential elections, so oh, I'm, I'm glued to it, but I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I think I know what's going to happen because I don't. I think I, I said this to you as we were preparing for the show. Yeah. I think the best thing for the country would be for Trump to step out of the running and, 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 and softly endorse somebody else. Not drastically endorse because that will, you know, they probably don't want that. They want a light endorsement, not a full-blown you know, promotion. But mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, he, he was good for his time. Um, but I think if he were to win, it would just create so much animosity in the streets that I don't think it would be pretty. It, it, it's going to be interesting because you do have a debate coming up here, what, in a couple of 
days uh, in Iowa. A week from tonight. A week from tonight. Uh, you've also got the town hall with Trump. I mean, everybody's going to be kind of doing their own thing here. And then we have to wait and see if Ramaswamy shows up somehow um, and, and does something. But uh, this is going to be interesting. And we'll, uh, we're certainly going to document it every step of the way. Bo Thompson, what do you have coming up on the big show tomorrow? David Chadwick joins us. We also have Ray Stajic standing by because, as you guys have heard, I know, uh, there's there's winter weather coming for North Knot. Uh, it affects us in Charlotte, and that's kind of a you know hour to hour thing. So we'll we'll check in with Ray tomorrow and get the latest on that. And of course, I know that uh, there'll be more to talk about with the David Tepper situation. So by the way, Cam Newton weighed in today, so we'll talk about that tomorrow too. Ooh, big stuff! All right, looking forward to it, my friend. Enjoy the evening, and we'll talk in the morning. Thanks, guys. Have a good night, you Bo. You got it. Great stuff from Bo Thompson. I'm Brett Witterbull. News Talk 1110-993 WVT, Brett Witterbull, Coach Matt Doherty. Coach, I have a question for you. Because you uh, you spend time in New York. You've you're from New York. You've been in New York. You understand how the how the energy works on the streets oh, of yeah. that of that of that place. And I think it's safe to say New York functions as sort of a controlled chaos, right? I mean, would you? Just, yeah. There's some control over the chaos oh, yeah. there. It's one of the most organized chaotic cities in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing, the, one of the many things that, you know, when the Dutch inhabited, you know, the, the south of Manhattan, and then they started digging tunnels mm-hmm. to create the uh, subway system. Like and and just the way New York is laid out right. with streets going one way, avenues going the other, and and um, it's really an organized, chaotic city as right. you touched on. But it's fascinating. Like the subway system's remarkable. I mean, they dug that out of rock. Yep, granite. And um, um, so you know, but once you live there, like I, I really, I lived there for about four years in the city and, and it just gives you an appreciation, a confidence, right. uh, and you have a diversity of friends. Like I had three different circles of friends that when they all came together in an event or party or something, it was just kind of magical, mm-hmm. but you could dip into different parts of the city and, um, you know, there's neighborhoods in the city. Like, I never thought of that until I lived there. Like, right. you know, you have Harlem, you have the west side, you had the east side. You know, the east, like, I was in the upper west side, they called it, when I lived there in the 80s. Um, uh, because a lot of the younger people were moving there because they could afford it. Right. Uh, but you couldn't afford the east side because that's where the rich people lived. Right. And uh, the financial district. Now it's cool to live in a, they call it uh, FIDA. Uh, financial district, uh, FIDI or something like that. Um, you know, like nobody lived down in the Wall Street area. Right. Now they live down there. Right. Uh, my daughter lives in West Village. It's probably the coolest place in New York. Um, so, yeah, you know, they had Chinatown. You had Little Italy. You know, they were neighborhoods in New York. Mm-hmm. And you think of it as one big city. No, it's neighborhoods. And uh, it's you can get the best of anything. At any time of day, mm-hmm. you could also get the worst Without a doubt. of anything at any time of day. And so you've got now you've got Adams, the mayor there, who's got all these migrants that are that are coming into the into the city, and he's he, he's angry and he's blaming everybody under the sun but himself. That's a sanctuary city 
people are going to take you literally, and and that's why you're going to have migrants moving in. I, I just think it's a joke that the New York City mayor is complaining about migrants uh, being transported from the border and blaming Abbott in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes on to say, he started a sentence, no, sh- no city should have to. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Every city in Texas has to deal with this. That's right. Houston, Dallas. If we are unified, the United States of America, bear your load. Oh, you don't like it? That's right. So then do something about the border. It's complicated. It's hard. We can't, we have to, you know, we have to uh, deal with all these people. They're dropping buses in Secaucus. Right. Because they're not allowed to go across the bridge. People dropped off in Secaucus, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, you're going to get some people's attention. And now they're going to, they're going to, it's, it's like what happened at Harvard, right? Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. Jesse Waters on Fox said, you know, Harvard's a, a, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Right. And they had a bad quarter. That's exactly right. And so what did the, the investors do? They pulled out. That's right. That's right. 100%. Until they had a change in leadership. That's what you need. And, and, and so now, okay, I think Abbott is smart as hell to be sending people to other parts of the now they feel your pain and right. now they're going to do something about it. That's right. And and he is there's no downside for what he's doing because no. what he's doing is he's he's drawing attention to a crisis that everybody is now aware of. That everyone should share in the burden and hopefully 100%. it Listen, I have no my my grandparents were immigrants, right? We can go down this road. All right, our country is great because of immigration. Of course. But it was controlled immigration. Correct. And even if people you know, if they wanted to sneak into the country illegally, they had to work at it. Right. That's correct. And and, and I think, you know, my brother and I had this conversation. My grandfather um, was basically, you know, maybe considered a terrorist because he was part of uh, the army in Ireland that fought, uh, you know. The Brits? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And so he had to go in through um, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a process, and, and people were vetted, and if the, the bad people snuck in, they snuck in. And they, they didn't just walk across <laughs> get, get the Rio Grande exactly into, right. into the United States. Huge stuff. Huge stuff. Continuing the conversation straight ahead. I'm Brett Waterball. That's the coach, Matt Doherty. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Waterball Show. Happy to be joined by... Somebody whose work I always admire and I always get smarter as we uh, speak with him. Uh, Gordon G. Chang. Follow him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. It's great to have you back, Gordon, and a happy new year to you. Um, I hope the uh, the season is treating you well. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned, though. I'm concerned about what we heard from uh, the leader of the CCP, uh, Xi Jinping, a couple of days ago, uh, into- intonating that... Um, he still has designs on Taiwan. Uh, we, we know that there have been balloons that have been seen uh, nearby the, uh, the, the island. What, what, what is happening? What is the state of, of uh, Xi Jinping's uh, mindset here? Well, Happy New Year, Brett. First of all, um, in his 2024 New Year's message, Xi Jinping talked about annexing Taiwan in a paragraph that listed the things that he wanted to see happen this year which means that the Taiwan uh, crisis could mature in, you know, 2024. But even if he were bluffing, got to remember that what he's done is created a marker for himself by which his political enemies, and there are a lot of them, by which his political enemies are going to measure him. 
So he could be talking himself into a war. Wow. Okay, this is frightening because um, we understand that we are stretched pretty thin in terms of our assets. Uh, what, what's the practical implication of this? Um, and and how, how soon do you think we could see something like this come to pass? Well, it certainly could be this year. Um, but whether it is or not, remember, Xi Jinping is already uh, waging war on the world. And he's doing that, of course, um, by the proxy war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. the proxy war in Gaza, as well as fueling insurgencies and conflicts in North Africa that look like wars. So really what we have is Xi Jinping trying to bleed us. Uh, This is um, a warlike mentality. Um, We know what he's want. He's told us, uh, and he's now given us a timeline. We we didn't have a chance to catch up last week, and I'm I'm curious to get your thought on, on this reporting that came out that spoke directly to the notion of, the White House attempting to cover up for for that incursion by that balloon using our our internet services. I mean uh, to 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 co-locate where they wanted to to be positioned. I mean this is a very frightening time, uh, and and it feels that every every week gives us a new revelation of a uh, of a an unfortunately uh, compromised president of the United States, Gordon. Yes, well. I focus on a compromised chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, mm-hmm. and Mark Milley, um, who, before he retired, gave an interview to CBS News in September, where he said that he had a high degree of confidence that that balloon gathered no intelligence. Huh. Well, now we know that Milley lied to the American people, and of course he's since retired, but he is subject to court-martial still, and I think that he was covering for China. We know that he had that very disturbing conversation with a Chinese counterpart yes. during the Trump administration. I believe we need to investigate the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs. This is a this is a frightening uh, reality because um, I don't know. Um, well, let me ask you: Are you confident that we would have the ability to stave off? what is potentially going to happen in the Taiwan Strait, but also at the same time trying to maintain what's going on in in the Red Sea, uh, Yemen, etc. We are stretched incredibly thin, and we do not have uh, the manpower uh, that we we once upon a time did have. Well, and you forgot one battlefield, Brett. Yes. And that is the American homeland. Absolutely. we're, We're seeing these Chinese males coming across our border, um, they're in packs of 5 to 15, pretending not to speak English, traveling without family members and of military age. And U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of them have links to the Chinese military. Right. We also know that the Biden administration has reduced the vetting of these individuals. If you go back two years, the Chinese that we saw come across our border were primarily families. Yes. Now they're primarily or mo- almost entirely the single males. So really what we've got right now is a very, very interesting, um, if I could use that word, sure. uh, change in the composition of um, the Chinese who are coming into our country across the southern border. It is uh, something that's going to definitely be keeping us uh, awake, and we should be wide awake uh, about this threat. Uh, Gordon Chang, we, we so much appreciate your insights in this regard, and, and I, I have a feeling we'll be speaking again very frequently uh, as, as these developments uh, move forward, my friend. 
Yes, and Happy New Year, Brett. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, absolutely wonderful to catch up with Gordon Chang. We've got a, another terrific hour straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I am Brett Witterbull. We've got thoughts on what President Biden is planning for his kickoff. It seems a little odd to me. What say you? News Talk 1110 99.3 WB. It is the Brett Winterbull Show, hour number four, now underway. Great to be with you. We've got people who are uh, patiently holding on, and we'll get to those calls as expeditiously as we can. Our telephone number, if you'd like to participate, 704-570-1110. See what I did there? I did a 704, then I did a 570. I want to make everybody feel welcome, no matter how it is you discuss the, uh, the numbers out there. I'm very concerned about the direction of this country for a very specific reason. Um, Your president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., is about to go out on the campaign trail, and he is about to, well, he's going to let you have it. And and I just want you to know that. He's going to let you have it. President Joe Biden is starting the campaign year by evoking the Revolutionary War to mark the third anniversary of the deadly U.S. Capitol insurrection. And then he's going to go on to visit the South Carolina church where a white gunman massacred black parishioners. That is the start of his presidential campaign. Not the border, not the economy, not inflation, not the Green New Deal, not the wars in uh, Ukraine or, or the wars in Israel and Gaza. None of that. He's going to go back and rip the scabs off of American history. President Joe Biden is starting the campaign year by evoking the Revolutionary War to mark the third anniversary of the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and visiting the South Carolina church where a white gunman massacred black parishioners seeking to present the starkest possible terms an election, he argues, could determine the fate of American democracy. Now, why is he doing those two locations? First of all, the first instance is to indict Donald Trump. The second instance is to indict Nikki Haley. On Saturday, Joe Biden will travel to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, where George Washington and the Continental Army spent a bleak winter nearly 250 years ago. On that site, he will decry former President Donald Trump for the riot by a mob of his supporters who overran the Capitol in an attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Two days later, he will visit Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, where nine people were shot and killed in a June 2015 white supremacist attack. Let it be recorded that that attack and that divide 
was under his vice presidency and Barack Obama's presidency. Biden's kicking off 2024 by delving into some of the country's darkest moments rather than any upbeat affirmation of his record. It's meant to clarify for voters what his team sees as the stakes of the election in November. During both events, he will characterize his predecessor as a serious threat to the nation's founding principles, arguing that Trump, who has built a commanding early lead in the Republican presidential primary, will seek to undermine U.S. democracy should he win a second term. We are running a campaign like the fate of our democracy depends on it because it does, says Julie Chavez Rodriguez, the Biden reelection campaign manager. Trump, who faces 91 criminal charges stemming from his effort to overturn his loss to Biden and three other felony cases, argues that Biden and top Democrats are themselves seeking to undermine democracy by using the legal system to thwart the campaign of his chief rival. Joe Biden and his allies are a real and compelling threat to our democracy, Trump campaign advisor Chris LaCivita and Susie Wiles wrote in a memo this week. In fact, in a way never before seen in our history, they're waging war against it. Biden's channeling of personal grief and national traumas, often into calls for action, has become his political calling card. He offers nothing but division. His tragedies have defined his own, his own president's life. From the 1972 car crash that killed his first wife and infant daughter to using his son's death from brain cancer at age 46 in 2015. In 2020, Joe Biden won the White House promising to heal the soul of the nation. After he said that seeing hate groups marching in Charlottesville, Virginia with torches and swastikas in 2017 propelled him to run. Rather than promising to bridge the nation's partisan divide, as he did four years ago, Biden will instead stress how Trump and Trump's supporters of the Make America Great Again movement pose an existential threat. The people who disagree with Joe Biden represent an existential threat to the system. The president's re-election campaign has publicly publicized Trump's repeating rhetoric. The leading candidate of a major party in the United States running for president so that he could systematically dismantle and destroy our democracy, said Biden campaign communications director Michael Tyler. Is Joe Biden affirming what the American dream is? Is Joe Biden affirming what America is? Is Joe Biden looking to stoke the division so as to win the thinnest possible margin imaginable and then taking that thin margin and weaponizing it against you, the American taxpayer? In a second term with Joe Biden as president, he's literally able to do anything. What is your reaction? Are you prepared for this? 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110.
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Let's uh, jump out and take some of these calls here. We've been patiently holding on. Let's go to uh, Joe first. Joe, welcome to the program. Happy New Year, Brett. Happy New Year to you. I, so you're, you're, you're uh, pointing out that Biden taking a, a divisive stance for his election. Yes. Um, and uh, I can't say it surprises me at all. It, it immediately makes me think of his, uh, his speech in the evening with the red backlighting and the, yes. the Marines on either side. Yes. Because uh, he, he doesn't have anything positive to, to promote reelecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, but something you mentioned, you said that, uh, you know, he's going to paint this as Trump's a threat to the democracy and a threat to the system. And mm-hmm. uh, I see those as two different things. Um, and, and, you know, we, we all play into threat to democracy because, you know, the truth is you never hear the Democrats say a threat to the republic. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's scripted on purpose. Um, sure. Because they want us to always think of popular vote and democracy. And and I think that's a huge misnomer. But um, as far as him being a threat to the system, I think that is the penultimate threat that so many of the establishment fear and loathe about Trump. Is that, I've talked about it on this show actually with you before, but there's definitely... Uh, corruption and relationships that are global and and not in our country's best interest. Right. And those I would refer to as the system, um, whether it's the foundation kickbacks and the money laundering and the foreign aid. Uh, that system, I truly believe in my heart, is out there. And they realize if he comes back, it's the end of the road for all that. And that's been a gravy train for decades for our political powerful, our corporate powerful, um, and in some instances, our, our entertainment powerful yes. uh, elites. Yeah, so yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just, and, and another thing I would caution, because I love your show, but dear Lord, don't refer to January 6th as the insurrection. That just makes my stomach. Well, I, I, I was, <laughs> what I was, I was quoting out of a Breitbart piece, so it's. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, but, and uh, yeah. Okay. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Matt, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Matt? Brad, Brad, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you. Hey, uh, I just want to make a quick comment. I know you've got a lot of callers and a lot of stuff to cover, but uh, I was listening to Limbaugh years ago. Uh, you may or may not have been in the room when he said it, but uh, it was when they took the uh, rebel flag down uh, in Columbia, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he wasn't too... Um, passionate about whether they did or didn't do it, but he did say on the air, he said, make no mistake, folks, he said the American flag is next on their hit list. And uh, that seems to be ringing true because everything he's doing, you're talking about existential threats to our democracy, his policies are the threats to our democracy. And uh, I just don't see how he's going to be able to avoid that throughout this entire campaign. Well, well, and look, and here's the most important thing to remember, and and this is the thing that will not be brought up. Uh, the the entire reason why there was a Confederate flag flying over the Capitol is because of the Democratic Party uh, in right. Ernest Hollings, and so Absolutely. Ernest Hollings proudly put that up over over the uh, Capitol, and and it was a it was a it was a you know it was a rejection of 
uh, civil rights, um, you know, uh, advancements and things like that. And so, yeah, that, that, that is the case. Look, the only reason why Joe Biden is going to go into South Carolina and to campaign is to create the impression that there has been no advancement at all in the state of South Carolina or the South, broadly speaking, um, right. throughout American yeah. history. That, that, yeah, no, and, and, you're and, absolutely right. And it's the same thing that he did when he went and he gave the speech that the the prior caller just just referenced, which is uh, standing in Philadelphia uh, in the in the weird red light, uh, telling everybody that we were the problem. Um, you know, Joe Biden has got a strategy. Do you know what Joe Biden's strategy is? Um, probably to destroy America. Well, well, wait, but he's got a very specific strategy, and it's <laughs> going to be something you're you're probably familiar with because you you probably have enough snark in you to know this. Joe Biden's entire campaign strategy is the beatings will continue until morale improves. Nice. That nice. is Joe. That is his entire strategy. He is going what to a continue heck of a thing to run on. He That's is going to he is going to continue to harass us to yell at us, to threaten, to whatever it is. And the, 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 the and what will happen is the beatings will continue until morale improves. And that that's an old kind of an 80s kind of a reference. But that is essentially the strategy they're running on right now. That's right. I, I do remember that from somewhere. Uh, I do have a, a real quick question for yeah, you. Go ahead. Do you think he will debate Trump? No, At, he will not. He cannot. He cannot. Do you think? Do you think he'll have the cognitive ability by the time? No. Like, because he's no. declining pretty quickly. I yeah. was watching him no. uh, on TV a couple of years ago, and he was like a different man. Yeah. I mean, is he going to be able to even function throughout a campaign? Uh, yeah, because they'll put him back in the basement, and he'll go on vacation, you know, four times a month, and and stuff like that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? Um, he 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 cannot debate Donald Trump. He cannot debate Donald Trump because he's already said Donald Trump is uh, a threat to the democracy. If he goes and gets, and in he's got to run on his own. He's got to run on his own record too. Correct. That's number one. Number two, um, he could be triggered very easily. There's a lot more real estate that's been plowed um, in this debate. Uh, that, than there was in 2020. In 2020, Joe Biden was still operating under the patina of of um, being a reasonable, moderate guy that everybody kind of understood. He has right. gone far, far, far more radical now. And as a consequence, oh, yeah. Donald Trump could pick could pick 15 things to throw at him uh, in in terms of an issue or an indictment, and and Joe Biden would have nowhere to go with it. No Will this be the first presidential uh, campaign uh, election year that they don't debate each other? Uh, I'm guessing that 1865 might have might have yeah. been an issue. Uh, yeah, we weren't getting along too well. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, you had, you had uh, people running, but they weren't running. Yeah, they weren't debating for sure, for sure. Uh, but I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being out there. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Let me grab Jim. Jim, welcome to the program, Jim. Yeah, hey, what happened to Coach? He uh, departed. We had Gordon Chang come on, and then it was the, uh, the, the show was wrapped. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, tell him, call him the maestro, because sound leadership, good leadership, it's like music. It's uh, something that you learn, you get better at every day, and the more you practice it, the more you train, the more inspired people are by you. Amen. Amen. 
That's amazing. That's outstanding. I'm going to share that with him. Thank you, uh, Jim. I appreciate that call. 704-570-1110. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to take Stan. Stan, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Stan? Hey, Brett. How are you doing? I'm well. Yeah, the guy who called a couple calls ago that talked about how the the, the global international network and how these uh, people have in our government have benefited from this for years. Yes. It's almost – remember Donald Trump got impeached over the phone call where he withheld aid to Ukraine? Yes. And, of course, we didn't know everything that was on the laptop then. We didn't know. Correct. But it's almost as if Donald Trump knew what was on the laptop already without having had access to the laptop. And if, it's, if, if that's true, then the Department of Justice had to already know as well. Sure, of course they had it. It was in their possession for like a year and a half. But I'm, but I'm talking about before the laptop had existed. I mean, they, no, but if they're doing their jobs, they know where the money's going in yeah. advance. They didn't, know, they didn't have to see the laptop. That's it. That's they, it. They, they already knew. And so what they're, what they're afraid of mm-hmm. is when Donald Trump did that, what he did is he put his finger directly on the money laundering and money money transfer apparatus that all these people have gotten used to, mm-hmm. including like the Clintons or the Clinton Foundation and all that. Sure. The bottom line is they do not want him in office because that's the one thing he will do is he will stop them. That's Turn the spigot off. That's right. Turn the spigot off. Great stuff, uh, Stan. I appreciate that. <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Winterville Show. All right, let's talk about what's going on over in uh, Gaza and environs. It's uh, pretty wild um, what has happened uh, in the last uh, couple of uh, days. So let's start with this. You have a situation wherein the Iranians are commemorating earlier today. They're commemorating... Uh, the death of Soleimani. You'll remember Soleimani was killed on the orders of Donald Trump because Soleimani had, had murdered and maimed many American uh, military personnel in Iraq. And so uh, Donald Trump decided uh, he had to go. And so they, they were struck. He was uh, struck in a vehicle um, by uh, some of our world class um, uh, weaponry. And it created an entire uh, crisis back in 2020. In fact, um, Soleimani, who murdered so many American soldiers and who maimed so many American soldiers, was actively mourned by elements of the Democratic Party. Joe Biden condemned the killing of Soleimani. Um, he is Joe Biden is a very well known um, uh, uh, Shiite. Uh, supporter. Uh, you know, he worked with Barack Obama to send pallets of cash to the Iranians to try to buy them off of their nuclear weapons program. Valerie Jarrett helped to steer that sort of thing. Joe Biden has got a very soft spot for the mullahs in Tehran, um, despite the fact that he has lent support to to Bibi Netanyahu, etc. Um, Joe Biden, John Kerry, Barack Obama, Valerie Jarrett, Susie Rice, all these people that are in the administration or were in the Obama-Biden administration um, are very, very soft, very flaccid, soft on on the Iranian regime. And the Iranian regime did what they did with Hamas um, in in, in the last uh, 89 days. So um, somehow, some way today, as the Iranians were commemorating the killing of Soleimani, mourning uh, his death, 
Well, as Joe Biden famously said in Ukraine, son of a gun. Two blasts in Kerman in the uh, in, in, in Iran at the location of where Soleimani is has been mourned. Somehow, some way, terrorists attacked. I don't know how that happened. Certainly, it wouldn't be our CIA doing that because the CIA is very favorable, I think, towards towards the the mullahs in Iran. It's part of the the Biden strategy there. Um, The idea that they can appease uh, and appease and appease and appease and appease and appease and appease. Um, But yeah, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, they all they all mourned. When Soleimani was killed by Trump, they said it was wrong for Trump to do that. Was it wrong to kill Osama bin Laden? Was it wrong to kill Anwar al-Awlaki? Was it was it wrong to, to kill um, the the people that that go around murdering innocent people? Uh, it depends on what side of the Shia Sunni divide that you're on. So that was number one. Number two. Multiple, I think it was seven leaders of the Hezbos uh, and Hamas uh, were taken out uh, in Lebanon over the last few uh, days. They've been getting hit very hard. They've been getting hit very, very hard. And, you know, in the Middle East, much is symbolic. Much is symbolic. In the Middle East... Um, uh, organizations like Al-Qaeda, uh, Al-Qaeda in the uh, Arabian Peninsula, ISIS, those organizations will strike on significant numbered dates. 9-11 was picked for a very specific reason because it was 9-11. It was uh, sim- symbolized by the emergency call when 9-11 occurred. Um, said The 7-11 attack uh, that took place in, in London, the attack at the Atocha train station uh, on 3-11 um, uh, back uh, in 2004 in Spain. The symbolism is very important to the radicals, and, and they, they, they look at this. But it's interesting because this thing can cut two different ways. And I don't think people have really made the connection with the way these things can cut two different ways. There once was an attack, you've probably never heard of this, because you probably went to public school and it was probably never discussed. There was an attack during the Olympics in Munich in 1972, and 11 Jewish athletes, Israeli athletes, were murdered by the filthy Black September organization, which which you would know as the enforcement arm of Yasser Arafat's Palestinian Authority. There's a man who just passed away yesterday. He died in his 80s. His job was to hunt down each and every one of the Munich killers, hunt them down all over the planet if they had to, to kill them. And he died, I think, on Sunday. What's interesting about this is, what's interesting about this is, it looks to me 
that the Israelis are using the Mossad to take out the seven leaders of Hamas who were responsible for much of this attack operation that took place on October the 7th. And it also strikes me that the same organization may be getting payback at the commemoration of Soleimani. Will we now see action showing up in Qatar or Qatar? Stay tuned. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Woodable Show. Final segment of the show coming up next. Breaking with Brett Jensen is going to be uh, coming by here. Uh, learn all the stuff that's going on out there in the world today. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's out there in the world today that you should learn. And uh, you should uh, endeavor to, uh, to do this sort of stuff. I mean, it's really, uh, it's really quite something out there. Claudine Gay is uh, now taking the... She's not taking the walk of shame... She's taking the walk of victimhood. Uh, Claudine Gay has broken her silence. She's obviously been ousted by Harvard. You know about that. Uh, why was she ousted by Harvard? Well, ostensibly, it's because she was uh, uh, plagiarizing. And you're not supposed to plagiarize. It's, it's just one of those things, okay? You're not supposed to plagiarize. But she, um, she, she published... A uh, an op-ed in the New York Times, and she's revealing that she's received death threats. Now that 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 is that's disgusting. We don't need uh, to to do death threats. We we don't need to do racist n-word stuff. Uh, that is beneath us as human beings. This is a person with whom you disagree. This is a person who got it wrong on a number of different occasions. But at the end of the day, this is still a person. That has some measure of dignity that should be respected because they're a human being. And, and really, that's that is my position. I, I am not one of these people who when um, you you want to uh, get into an attack or a fight or something like that. Um, there is fighting over politics. There is fighting over life. There is fighting over a number of things. But I, I think it's disgusting for people to use that kind of language, even with somebody with whom you disagree. This is not Osama bin Laden. This is not Hamas. This is not, this is somebody who uh, I think has got it very, very wrong and is paying some measure of consequence, but for the fact that she's going to get $900,000 as a teacher at Harvard. I mean, she kind of landed fairly well. She'll probably write a book. She'll probably have people buy that book. She'll probably force the students to buy that book. That's how it works at the colleges and universities. In a new essay, Gay says that she's been bombarded with racist threats. Again, disgusting. Wrong and disgusting. Ousted Harvard President Claudine Gay speaks out for the first time since her resignation in a New York Times essay playing down the plagiarism allegations and revealing she's been bombarded with racist threats. Uh, she's 53 years old. She resigned on Tuesday after six months in the role and is now revealing she's been threatened and attacked with hate speech. Gay wrote on Tuesday, I made the wrenching 
but necessary decision to resign as Harvard's president. For weeks, I and the institution, which I have devoted my personal life to, have been under attack. My character and my intelligence have been impugned. My commitment to fighting anti-Semitism has been questioned. My inbox has been flooded with invective, including death threats. I've been called the N-word more times than I care to count. She added, my hope is that by stepping down, I will deny the demagogues the opportunity to further weaponize my presidency in their campaign to undermine the ideals animating Harvard since its founding excellence, openness, independence, and truth. Okay, and that's fine. And you can make that argument all day, every day. But the problem is, if you engaged in plagiarism, then you are not engaging in truth. You are taking somebody else's work and submitting it as your own. If you're not citing the work that they did, you are taking somebody else's work and not attributing to who did the work. That's a fundamental issue. That's a massive problem. Uh, when, it, when it comes to... When it comes to... If, if this were in Wall Street, this is like insider trading. Taking information that you shouldn't have access to and then not claiming it. That's a problem. Now, I'm not defending her like I'm not a fan. All right. I, I, I had my share, my fair share of debates against Harvardians in my college years. And I whooped them a couple of times, and they whooped me a couple of times. But the fact of the matter is, uh, th- this is this is something that's broader. Okay. This is something that's broader and more important, okay? And it's this. You, you can come at people as hard as you want. You can do what you want to do. You can say what you want to say. But, again, you're reflecting on yourself if you're not being truthful and if you're not being honest. It's been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate and upholding scholarly rigor. Those are two different issues. This is two different issues. I mean, come on. Two different issues entirely. There's integrity, and then there is the ability to have the the necessary amount of care for everybody in the community at Harvard. I'm sorry, but that's that's what it is. Frank, welcome to the show, Frank. Hello, Frank. What's that? Uh, it's Brian. Brian, welcome to the show, Brian. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, Frank, uh, uh, just a comment, uh, just listening to your, um, your show tonight, and I was just, one of the things that struck me as kind of odd or problematic, I should say, where in what universe does a college professor even get anywhere near making nine hundred thousand dollars a year? Harvard. That's ridiculous. Harvard. That's ridiculous. It's Harvard. There's no. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, now we know, right? Who knew? Now we know. And now, and now, because she's in Massachusetts, now you got to kind of feel bad for her, okay? She's in Massachusetts. That means she's only taking home four fifty. Okay, she's taking home four fifty. She's got to ride the T. She's got expensive groceries. You got migrants lay- laying everywhere around Government Center. You got all this stuff I feel that's. Better. Co- 
I mean, I feel better. You're a doc- you're a doctor. You're the doctor of radio. I feel better already. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank thank you, Brian Frank. Frank Brian. Thank you. Frank Brian. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I can call, call me anything. I I won't hurt my feelings. I won't call you late for dinner, man. Thank you very much. But that's. I mean, that look. You got to feel bad. You're stuck living in Boston. I root for some of the Boston teams. And I've spent a fair amount of my time there. I went to college there. I was roundly mocked, and I was proud to beat the Harvardians when I would debate them, uh, which was a, really it was a 50-50 split. But nevertheless, one time it was in Scotland that I beat them, and that felt really good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you should feel bad for, for, for her because um, her peak was at 53. She was the president of Harvard for like a half a minute. And now she's got to get out there and she's got to lecture to these people. And you know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. This is how the comeuppance occurs. The comeuppance will be like this. Hey, didn't you used to be the president of Harvard? Yeah. Why are you teaching this class uh, about, about whatever the topic is that we're learning about? Well, it's because it's important for you to have this stuff. But didn't you used to be, how come you're not the president of Harvard anymore? That's going to be like 14 times a week. She's going to get that question. And that's that's rough. That's tough. But you know what? I think she'll do just fine because she makes $900,000 as a lecturer. Thanks to George and TJ and each and every one of you. I'm Brett Witterbull. Breaking with Brett Jensen comes up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.